0: Hello Bleeding Green Nation
1: and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host John Stolnes, you can follow me on Twitter. At John Stolnitz. Coming up, big episode of the podcast. Earlier this week, I talked to former Philadelphia Eagles legend Deshaun Jackson, who's still trying to hook up with another team. I'll just play a a brief snippet of my conversation with him because the whole interview can be found on the Bleeding Green Nation YouTube channel and also in a separate podcast that aired earlier in the week. But just I'll I'll give you my, my favorite portion of the interview I did with Deshaun earlier this week. Also, the 2022 Eagles schedule is out like every other Philadelphia Eagles podcaster in the world. I'm going to give you my rundown of wins and losses at this potential schedule. And I, I haven't looked at it. Like, I haven't gone through it yet. So it's going to be a a real-time uh judgment on what i think their record is going to be it's going to be like a, a first blush thing so i haven't done any research on it it'll just be a kind of first reaction so i, I reserve the right to change my mind <laughs> but uh we'll, we'll do that coming up here in a few minutes also uh, i was on uh, washington radio earlier today washington dc radio talking about an article i wrote earlier this week for bleeding green nation ranking the 10 best players in the nfc east right now and i'll give you Again, with the schedule, the five games I'm most looking forward to here this season. Lots to get to on this episode of Eye on the Enemy. So let's start off talking about the schedule. And I do think that this is a very, a, a very, um, I wouldn't say if it's an easy schedule, but it certainly is one of the easier schedules in the NFL. I'm, I know you all have seen it by now, That according to strength of schedule. Um, the Eagles, along with every other NFC East team, has the easiest schedule in the NFL. The Giants are 29th, followed by the Eagles at 30th, and uh, Washington and Dallas are tied at 31st, uh, 32nd. So, I mean, it's basically, you know, the Giants, the winning percentage of Giants uh, teams uh, that they're playing is 465. For the Eagles, it's 464, and for Washington and Dallas, it's 462. So, listen, it's going to, it already is shaping up to be one of the easier schedules in the NFL. And there are some things about this schedule that, really make you think optimistically about their chances of putting together a good record this year um the first uh you know the first part of the schedule leading up to the bye week i think is a, a real good opportunity for the eagles to jump out to a uh, you know, an over 500 record, and I'll, I'll detail that coming up here in just a second. Um, the closing stretch also doesn't appear to be too hard. They they do have, and you heard uh, uh, Brandon and Jimmy talk about it on BGN Radio a couple of days ago, they they do have some challenges in there. Um, towards the end of the season, they finished up with uh, three straight road games, uh, which is not ideal, but then they finish up with two home games after that. Um, but also, you are—they have uh, four road games this year in which they are playing on short rest, which is a distinct disadvantage from the home team that they'll be playing. And the home team will also be on short rest. But when you're the road team, certainly um, that is a, that is an issue. But um, I, I feel like this schedule overall is conducive to getting back to the playoffs, especially with uh, another wild card in each league. So, so let's break down. And by now you all know the schedule, but uh, I'll go through it here one by one. And I'm going to keep track of this as I go along. Uh, week one, Sunday, September 11th at the Detroit lions at one o'clock. Uh, the Eagles start the road in the motor start on the road in the motor city. I think the lions are going to be a better team this year. I really do. I, they, uh, you know, they, they did uh, outperform. Um, cut, they, I think they were 11-6 and six against the spread last year. So that tells you that they played a lot of really close games last season. Of course, when the Eagles played them, the Eagles blew their doors off, ran all over them uh, with the rushing game. I think they ran for over 200-some-odd yards in that one and were dominant. And it was really the worst loss of the Lions' season. I, I think the Lions are going to want a little payback for that. I think Detroit is building a really nice culture up there in Michigan. But ultimately, I think that uh, this is a— I think that the Lions are a team that will build as the year goes along. And I don't necessarily think they're going to jump out to... This is a dangerous game. I don't think the Eagles are going to look past the Lions, but this is a dangerous game. I could very easily see a young Detroit team all hopped up, surprising... The Eagles and the NFL with a Week One victory at home. I think it's a tough spot for the Eagles, but I'll give them a victory here uh, in Week One against the Lions, and so that takes them to one and zero. Then they play on Monday Night Football in Week Two in the home opener against Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. For whatever reason, Kirk Cousins shrinks against every other team but the Eagles. He always plays well against the Eagles. And I really I really need to see the Eagles beat him before I feel good about picking them in this game. I, I, I don't like the idea of picking the Eagles to lose in the home opener on Monday Night Football, but I think the Vikings, without Mike Zimmer there, will be an improved team this year. They've got a really good offense. Uh, Dalvin Cook will probably be healthy in Week 2. He will not have suffered his injury by that point, his yearly injury that he normally does. And so... I'm chalking this one up to be a loss. I think the Eagles are going to lose the home opener on Monday Night Football to the Minnesota Vikings, which takes us to Week 3. Sunday, September 25th, this is a game on short rest at Washington to take on Carson Wentz and the Commanders at 1 (sighs) o'clock. This is a tough one for me, because I do think the Commanders are going to be a little bit better this year. And I think the Eagles will split their two games against the Commanders. I don't think Carson Wentz is washed up. And it feels to me like, I don't think Wentz is going to blow anybody's doors off in this particular game, but I think Washington might be more fired up to play this game than, than the Eagles will be. I think the Eagles are a better team, but and I know Eagles fans travel to Washington. This just feels, this kind of feels like a loss to me, and I think that they're going to split. I you know, maybe they, maybe they win the road game here and they lose the home game and maybe that's the more likely scenario. And And I think maybe that's what I'll go with because I do think they're going to split. I'll say the Eagles win this game on the road in week three, but you know, when we come down to the Washington, Washington commanders at home on Sunday night football in week 10, um, I, you're probably not going to like my pick there. Cause I don't think they're going to sweep. I don't think they're going to sweep the commanders. So I, I'll say they win this road game and, um, and, uh, you know, I, I worry about, well, we'll get to the home game here in just a second. But I have the Eagles at 2-1 and one, uh, after three weeks. Moving on to week four, Sunday, October 2nd at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Eagles welcome Doug Peterson back to Lincoln Financial Field. Look, I think Doug Peterson's going to build a good team. Down in Jacksonville. The Jacksonville Jaguars have some nice pieces, but the Eagles are a better team. Uh, I think this is a game the Eagles will win rather comfortably. I'm not all that worried about the Jaguars. So I have the Eagles winning at home in week four, and I have them moving to three and one on the season. Week five, Sunday, October 9th, at the Arizona Cardinals. It's a 425 start. The Eagles have trouble out in Arizona, and they don't generally play well out in the desert. The Cardinals are an interesting team. It's hard to know exactly what they are. It's hard to know exactly what Kyler Murray is. Uh, now, DeAndre Hopkins will likely not play in this game. He, he's he been suspended. And um, that, that could go a long way towards the Eagles being able to pull out a win out in Arizona. But I just, I don't know. This doesn't feel like a victory to me. I, I think this is a place where Kyler Murray can... Um, make some things happen even without DeAndre Hopkins. I'm going to say Week 5 against the Car- the Cardinals out in Arizona is a loss. So I have the Eagles at 3-2 and two after Week 5. And then Week 6, Sunday at home against the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday Night Football. I do think this is a spot the Eagles will win. I think they'll split their two games against Dallas as well. Uh, so I think they win the home game here on Sunday Night Football at home heading into the bye week. So I have... Uh, I have the Eagles going four and two in their first six games, uh, before the bye week here, and I, I guess I gotta you know well, I'll talk about this after after we're done going over the the entire schedule. But um, so you have the bye week here in week seven, which is which is a little bit. Um, early uh, it would be better if the bye week was a little bit later last year it was perfect and really the Eagles got a lot of perks to their schedule last year and they don't have quite the same advantage as far as like um, road traveling on short rest and all that kind of stuff back to back to back home uh, road games and all that stuff but um, in week eight coming off the bye week they host the Pittsburgh Steelers now normally you know the Steelers come on your schedule and you think Ugh, tough one and look Mike Tomlin is a really good head coach he, he will have his team ready to play I just don't know what the Steelers' quarterback situation is going to be at that point. Is it going to be Mitch Trubisky? Is it going to be Kenny Pickett? If it's Kenny Pickett, you know, I think the I, well against either quarterback. I just this feels like coming on a coming off a bye week at home against the Steelers team that probably one of the rare occasions they're going to finish under five hundred this year. I think the Eagles will handle the Steelers. I think it actually will be a, a fairly. Um, I don't think it'll be a fairly close game. So I have the Eagles beating the Steelers in Week 8 and moving to 5-2 and two on the season. And then on short rest, they have to travel to Houston to take on the Texans on Thursday night football. So again, a real short work week. But the Eagles have done pretty well in these spots in recent years, and it's the Houston Texans. I'm not at all worried about losing to the Houston Texans on a short week on Thursday night football. So I have Week 9 as a victory also. And I have the Eagles at 6-2 and two at this point in the season. Now here's where it starts to get a little dicey for me. Week 10 at home Carson Wentz returns to Lincoln Financial Field Monday night football I worry that the hype and the emotional toll of this game I worry about the Eagles coming out flat in this one I worry about Carson Wentz I know he doesn't perform well in in really big spots but uh, I feel like he's if he's still if he's still under center for Washington I feel like this is this is the game I think they're going to lose It feels to me like we're due we're in for a disappointment as far as the Eagles beating Carson Wentz on on their home turf, especially sitting at 6-2. I don't think they look past it. I think they're a little overly hyped for it. And we've seen situations like that before, where a team team is a a little bit too emotionally charged up in a big game against uh, an opponent they desperately want to beat. And you know that Washington is going to want to rally around Carson Wentz and play their best football for him in Philadelphia. So I'm going to cho- I'm going to say, and I, this is, this is a bummer, but I'm going to say the Eagles lose to the commanders at home on this Monday night football game, because it just, it just feels like the most likely scenario to me. Uh, so I have the Eagles, uh, losing on Monday night, uh, against the commanders. And I think this is where we hit a little bit of a lull in our, in our season here. Um, they go into on a short week, they have to go to Indianapolis to take on Frank Reich and the Colts. Um, you know, the Colts with Tim Ryan—uh, uh, no, not Tim Ryan—the uh, Colts with Matt Ryan, totally different guy. Um, the Colts with Matt Ryan, uh, could be a could be a very sneaky good team this year. That could be one of the better off acquisitions, and going on the road on short rest. Again, feels like a tough spot for the Eagles, and I think the Eagles are going to drop two in a row here. I think they're going to go into Indianapolis. I think they're going to lose and fall to 6-4. and four. And then you've got the Green Bay Packers on Sunday night football at home. Aaron Rodgers back at Lincoln Financial Field for just the third time in his career. Can you believe that? Of all the, in all the years the Eagles have played uh, the Green Bay Packers and have seen Aaron Rodgers... This is only the third time he will have started and played a game as the Packers quarterback in Lincoln Financial Field. And I think, listen, I think the Eagles lose their third straight here. I think they fall to 6-5 and on the season, losing to the Green Bay Packers at home. So these are, it's two... Primetime losses in three weeks, which is is not going to be a lot of fun. A loss to the Commanders on Monday Night Football. I I don't think talk radio is going to be a very fun place. We're going to be wondering what the heck is going on with this football team. After that, the schedule lightens up quite a bit. Now, the Tennessee Titans are really good, but I think the Eagles will go into Tennessee on Sunday, December 4th, against Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry, and I think that they will shut down the Titans. I think the Titans are going to take a little bit of a step back this year as well, especially without A.J. Brown there. It'll be a big game for A.J. going back to Tennessee to take on his former team. And I think the Eagles break their three-game losing streak. I think they beat the Titans here on the road and move to 7-5. and five. And then the Eagles go into New York to take on the Giants on Sunday, December 11th, another 1 o'clock start. I think the Eagles are going to sweep the Giants this year. I'm not at all worried about the New York Giants. And they'll move to 8-5 and five on the season with a victory in New York. And then they travel to Chicago to take on a Bears team. Uh, at in a, another one o'clock start. And I think the Eagles win that game too. And so I have the Eagles at nine and five through week 15 with three straight victories over the Titans, Giants, and Bears. Now we come to the Christmas Eve game in Dallas at four 25 Eastern time. I said, I thought the Eagles would split the two games against the Cowboys. I think they'll go into uh, Dallas on Christmas Eve. And I think this is the game they lose. Uh, it's again on short rest and uh, you're going down into Dallas, a uh, very tough place. It's been a tough place for the Eagles to win in recent seasons. Jalen Hurts has had all kinds of trouble playing in Dallas. This is going to be a big game. It could be for the NFC East. I do think the Eagles will fall in this game and uh, move to 9-6 and six on the season. Then the Eagles finish up uh, with two more games, uh, one against the New Orleans Saints at home in Week 17. I don't know exactly what the Saints are going to look like at this point. I, it's they're a tricky team for me to kind of diagnose, but I think the Eagles on New Year's Day, hosting the New Orleans Saints in the second to last week of the season with the with the division possibly on the line, battling it out with the Cowboys. I think the Eagles move to ten and six on the season with a victory there, and then uh, either on Saturday, January seventh, or Sunday, January eighth, the Eagles will host the Giants at home. I think they win that game, and I have the Eagles finishing the season at eleven and six. And I think that might, maybe that is a little bit optimistic. I don't know. Um, this is the most primetime games the Eagles have had since 2018. Five scheduled primetime games. Going back to 2000, the Eagles have appeared in the second most primetime games in the NFL. 94 of them, only behind Dallas, who has uh, appeared in 100 primetime games. When the Eagles start the season on the road against the Lions, it'll be the their first ever game against the Lions on kickoff weekend. Um, by the way, the Eagles will begin the season with an away game for the third straight year. It's their longest streak since 2011 to 2013. Um, the Eagles Cowboys have yet another Sunday night football matchup. As I mentioned in week six, uh, this is a game I expect the Eagles to win. And with the exception of a nationally televised 2014 Thanksgiving afternoon contest, the Eagles and Cowboys have met in primetime every year, going back to the 2007 season. Now the Eagles will not play two straight road games through the first 13 weeks of the season. So, we mentioned that they play three straight road games towards the end of the season, but until that they do not play back-to-back road games. So that's a that is an advantage early in the season, and the Eagles will finish the year with back-to-back home games for the first time since 2017. So some notes there about the Eagles schedule and the five games I'm most looking forward to. Obviously week 3 in Washington against the Commanders, the the first uh, game against Carson Wentz, that's going to be a whole lot of fun. Sunday night football against the Cowboys in week 6. Uh, anytime you're facing off with the Cowboys on Sunday night football, especially at home, um, that's going to be a lot of fun. And it's before the bye week, so one of two things is going to happen. The Eagles are going to sail into... Uh, two weeks riding the wings of a victory over a hated rival, or we're going to have to endure the frustration of a loss to the Cowboys on on Sunday Night Football for an extra week. It all just goes with the territory, for sure. Um, obviously, the one that everybody is waiting for is the Monday Night Football game in Week Ten against the Commanders, with Carson Wentz coming back to Philadelphia. Will he play in that game? Will he be healthy? in that game. We'll see. Uh, I have the Green Bay Packers is one of my most interesting games to watch. Anytime you get to see Aaron Rodgers come to Philadelphia, remember it's a rarity. He'd only played in Philadelphia twice in 2010 and 2016. Um, and again, I, I think the Eagles lose this game, but it should be a late, a really outstanding late season measuring stick for the Eagles. And then uh, the other game is the Christmas Eve game against the Cowboys uh, on Saturday uh, in week 16. Now I mentioned that the Eagles closed the season with three straight road games. They're they're not the only team that's doing that. The Packers, Chiefs, and Dolphins are also doing that at various points this year. Did you know, and Pro Football Talk had this note, since 2018, teams with three straight road games are actually 11 games over 500, 22 and 11 in those games. So maybe it's not the disadvantage that most of us think it is. So... That's my schedule. That's my prediction for the Eagles this year. 11-6, and six, looking at the schedule at first bluff. And uh, I think the thing to that I'm really interested in this year, and I would love to, to get your thoughts on this, so you, you can hit me up on my timeline with this, at John Stolness. and um, Commanders or Cowboys? Which games are you more looking forward to this year? Does Carson Wentz, coming back to the Commanders, make them a more compelling team this year? I think it does. I think the Commanders are a more interesting matchup for the Eagles this year than the Dallas Cowboys simply because of Carson Wentz. I think I know I am looking forward and more anxiously anticipating these Commanders games against Carson Wentz than I am playing the Dallas Cowboys just because it's going to be so fascinating to see how it all plays out. And again, I think the, the Eagles will split these two games. I mentioned that a few minutes ago. But I think there's more juice around these Commanders games because the Commanders are going to be a better team this year. No matter what you think of Carson Wentz, he is better than what they had behind center last year. He's better than Taylor Heineke. He has the capability to put together a good stretch of football, and he has the capability of still beating anyone. No matter what happened in Indianapolis at the end of the season last year, Carson Wentz does have the ability, if he plays within himself, if he plays within a system, and if he uses the players around him, he has the potential to be a good quarterback. But the mind is a tricky thing. How is he going to be mentally? And that's always been a big problem with Carson Wentz, that space between his ears, especially in big spots. How will he play against the Eagles? How will the Eagles play against him? What will the, what will the reaction be like? How, first of all, how many Eagles fans will be down in the nation's capital, where I am here, to... Give the Eagles a home field advantage on the road. Imagine Carson Wentz getting booed lustily in his own stadium. That can't be good. But then that primetime game on Monday Night Football, Carson Wentz coming back into Lincoln Financial Field, the vitriol, the week leading up to that game, it's going to be bigger than either of the Cowboys' games this year. It just is. I mean, we're going to get up for the Cowboys' games too, because they are the Eagles'. Chief nemesis here in the division, but this year, this year, the commanders' games have more juice. That's why they're two of the five for me. I only have one Cowboys game in my list of the five games I'm most interested in. These commanders' games are going to be absolutely fascinating, and they are the more interesting watch this season for Eagles fans. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'll go over my ranking of the 10 best players in the NFC East, another piece I did for Bleeding Green Nation this week. I was on uh, Washington, D.C. radio talking about that, and they had an issue with me leaving one person off that, in retrospect, I probably would put him back on if I had the opportunity to do it again. Plus, I'll give you just a, a small snippet of my conversation with Deshaun Jackson from earlier this week. We'll do that coming up next here on Eye on the Enemy. And we're back with Eye on the Enemy. So let me give you my ranking of the 10 best players in the NFC East. I've been doing this every year for the last couple of years. It obviously changes every year. Uh, There's definitely more talent in this division than there was last year. And it was not easy to pare this down to 10. Because how do you compare a wide receiver with an offensive tackle? How do you compare a running back with a defensive lineman? They play such different positions, and they are all of such different import that it's difficult to say this guy's a better player than this guy when they play very different positions. So this is an inexact science. I, I look reading the comments. There are obviously a lot of disagreements. And when I went on 980, the team in Washington this week, they were upset that I didn't have one of their commanders in here. That I think as I look back and I looked at the statistics probably should have been included in this top 10 list. But let me give you the top 10 list as it exists, as it lives on Bleeding Green Nation right now. Number 10 on my list, I was choosing between three different Eagles offensive linemen. I was choosing between Jason Kelsey, who obviously is going to be a Hall of Famer after he retires and is probably the best center in the NFL, Lane Johnson, the, re- the best right tackle in the NFL, and left tackle Jordan Mailata. And I put Jordan Mailata on this list ahead of those two guys. And the reason I did that, both Lane Johnson and Mylotta earned Pro Football Focus's All-Pro Second Team honors last year. Um, He has a slightly better, Mylotta has a slightly better PFF grade than Lane Johnson did, 86.9 to 82.4. Now, Jason Kelsey was right in the middle at 84.8. But I thought, given the importance of left tackle, it's the most important spot on the offensive line. And Mylada allowed usually you're facing the better edge rushers on that side of the line and Milata allowed just 20 total pressures last year. And was also a terrific run blocker. Now so is Jason Kelsey, so is Lane Johnson. This is a toss up. If you if you had one of those two guys ahead of Jordan Milata here, I wouldn't argue with you. You have there's an argument for any of these three Philly offensive linemen here. No argument from me, but I have Jordan Mylada here at number 10. I figured I probably had to put a New York Giant on this list somewhere. Looking at their roster, it was not easy to find one. Saquon Barkley I thought about, but he's underperformed in recent years, and he's, he's kind of backsliding, and so I do not have Saquon Barkley on this list. Instead, I have defensive tackle Leonard Williams as the number nine best player in the NFC East. He had six and a half sacks as a defensive tackle, two forced fumbles, and 81 combined tackles. That's a, a really good defensive tackle. And I I just wanted to have at least one giant on this list. I probably, again, if I'm going to make the change that I mentioned just a second ago, I probably would just knock Leonard Williams off this list entirely and just say, sorry, Giants fans. Uh, Number eight. New Eagles edge rusher, hybrid defensive end, hybrid Hassan Reddick. Reddick, obviously the Eagles' biggest free agent signing of the season. He's going to give Jonathan Gannon a lot of flexibility on defense, and he not, he notched 12 and a half sacks in 2020 and 11 sacks last year. He immediately becomes one of the most feared edge rushers in the East. Um, there are some edge rushers in Washington that you could make the argument are better than Hassan Redick, but both underperformed last year and both were hurt last year, which is why neither of them are on there, and I'll get to them in just a second. The one commander defensive lineman I did put on this list, and I put him at number seven, is defensive tackle Jonathan Allen. I really think Chase Young is probably the best defensive lineman on Washington's roster, but, you know, again, he had the ACL tear. We don't know what his timetable is, and he underperformed. So did Montez Sweat last year. Meanwhile, Allen had a dominant season on the inside. He earned his first Pro Bowl nod and piled up nine sacks and a staggering 30 quarterback hits from the middle of the commander's defensive line. He was the best defensive lineman on their team last year, and so he's the guy I have in the top ten. Here's maybe where it gets a little controversial for you. I have at number six, new Eagles wide receiver A.J. Brown. And the debate in Philly right now is whether Devontae Smith is the Eagles' number one receiver or whether it's A.J. Brown. And even though Smith's 2021 numbers were a little better than Brown's, uh, Smith had 64 catches, Brown had 63. Uh, Smith had uh, 916 receiving yards, Brown had 839, and both had five touchdowns. I think Brown's two Pro Bowl seasons prior and his overall skill set give him the slight edge over Devontae Smith, Um I think you could you could make the argument Brown is the best wide receiver in the division. I know R.J. Ochoa made that, uh, made that claim on the NFC East mixtape a couple of weeks ago. But uh, I think he's slightly behind the guy who I have at number five on my list. I think C.D. Lamb is the best wide receiver in the division right now. Um, 79 catches last year, 1,102 yards, and six touchdowns for the Cowboys. Now, Lamb is going to have to carry the load for Dallas because we don't know when Michael Gallup is going to return. And uh, they lost Amari Cooper. So he's going to get a lot of targets. But that could also mean a lot of receptions and yards for the third-year receiver. Now, when I was on Washington Radio this week, they argued, why not Terry McLaurin? Why is he not in the mix here? And if I could go back, I probably would remove Leonard Williams from this list and put Terry McLaurin on this list. He had better numbers than A.J. Brown last year. And the point was made, look who he had throwing him the ball last season. And they're right. Terry McLaurin had no one throwing him the ball last year. At least uh, A.J. Brown had someone slightly competent in Ryan Tannehill. And, of course, C.D. Lamb had Dak Prescott. So if I could do it over again, I probably would put Terry McLaurin on this list. And maybe I put McLaurin in between C.D. Lamb and A.J. Brown somewhere on here. I think that's a faux pas on my part as I look back uh, and I I rethought it. Terry McLaurin, Scary Terry, probably should go on this list. I would knock out. Uh, Leonard Williams, move everybody back, and probably put AJ Brown at seven, McLaren at six, and CD Lamb at number five. But um, we can't do that. It lives on the internet forever. The way I had it before. All right, number four on this list: Dak Prescott, the only quarterback in the division. Consi- I consider among the top five, the top ten players. Um, he had a great season last year. Obviously, thirty-seven touchdowns and ten interceptions, uh, with the second highest quarterback rating of his career, one hundred four point two. Now, again, failed. In the playoffs, when it matters most, but as far as being one of the best players in the division, I think he's fourth best and far and away the best quarterback in the East. No, not Carson Wentz. No, not Jalen Hurts. Number three, and a lot of people may think I have him too high, Darius Slay, Eagles cornerback. He only had three interceptions last year. I get it. And I have him above Trayvon Diggs. Diggs, I do, do not have on this list at all, even though Diggs had a ton of interceptions last year. I think you look at a cornerback's value by how well he covers the guy he's supposed to face. And according to PFF, Darius Slay had the lowest passer rating allowed in single coverage last year at 25.4. When he wasn't getting help, when he was tasked with guarding a team's best wide receiver one-on-one, he allowed the lowest quarterback rating to that receiver in the NFL, 25.4. Russell Douglas, by the way, third on that list (laughs) at 37.8. But that's why I have Darius Slay on this list. He was amazing last year, but was quiet. It was a very quiet amazing. I think he's the best cornerback in the division, and I think he's number three on this list. Micah Parsons, Cowboys linebacker, I have at number two, the AP Defensive Rookie of the Year and runner up for Defensive Player of the Year. 13 sacks from the linebackers, sixth most in the NFL. Added 64 solo tackles, three forced fumbles. Right now, he's the best overall defensive player in this division. And then the number one player, and I think he was my number one player last year, also was Zach Martin, the offensive guard for the Cowboys. Probably the best offensive lineman in football. And because there is no stud quarterback or even an upper echelon wide receiver or running back in this division right now, now, Martin earns the top spot over Micah Parsons. Now, honorable mention, again, Lane Johnson, Devontae Smith, Jason Kelsey for the Eagles, Terry McLaurin, Montez Sweat for the for the Commanders, Demarcus Lawrence and Trayvon Diggs for the Cowboys, and Saquon Barkley and Andrew Thomas for the Giants earned honorable mention for my top 10 best players in the NFC East right now as we start the, uh, right before we get started uh, here in the summer. All right, before we wrap up, I want to just give you a little snippet of my interview with Deshaun Jackson. Again, you can hear the whole thing, you can watch the whole thing on the Bleeding Green Nation YouTube channel if you haven't done that yet. You'll have to look at my face, so I apologize for that. If you don't want to do that, you can listen to the podcast version of it, which again is on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed, came out a couple of days ago. But uh, we got to talking about um, Deshaun Jackson's time in Philadelphia and asked him to reminisce on, on what I thought... I asked him, you know, what's the best team you ever played on here in Philadelphia? Give it a listen.
2: I mean, when I first came in there, honestly, I think like my rookie year, like my first few years, man, when I came in, you know, we had Donovan, we had Brian Westbrook, uh, Brian Dawkins, Asante Samuel, uh, you know, I, I look at that year, you know, uh, Trent Cole, Jaquay Parkers, um, Mike Patterson, like, you know, I, I look at that year, I think them few years was was, was top notch, but I think, you know, the the best production year, I think, was 2013 when chip Mm -hmm. kelly came in there that one year we had with him um even though some things i disliked that he did but uh you know obviously as far as on the field and what we did i think you know that was one of my best years you know the year with michael vick man being that quarterback you know he was he was an idol of mine growing up you know um and to be able to play with him man y'all think yeah that year when we had mccoy you know mccoy is a great friend of mine i'm actually seeing him tonight um you Know but uh, yeah, Jeremy Macklin, McCoy. You know, we, we we had a squad, man, and that squad was very special. Man, we just we did, we did some dope things there.
1: It would have been great to see what you guys could have done if uh, if if you hadn't if he, uh, if he didn't mess up go. our team, huh? If he didn't that's mess up our team, right? That's <laughs> what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, he,
2: he, he definitely changed around, but you know, things happen, man, and you got to live with yeah. what happens. You know, people in charge make decisions, and that's that's what you got to live with.
1: You know, he I, you could tell he's got feelings about Chip Kelly, and and we all have feelings about Chip Kelly, and you do wonder. Would Chip Kelly, the the butterfly effect, right? What if Chip Kelly doesn't get rid of LaShawn McCoy and Deshaun Jackson? Do they get to a Super Bowl? Does Chip Kelly stay longer? Does Doug Peterson never get hired? Do, do the Eagles never win a Super Bowl with Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz? Does Mike Vicks hang on longer? Like, there's there's so many unanswered questions. If Chip Kelly's tenure in Philadelphia had been more successful, and I think the whole reason it wasn't, was because he got rid of Deshaun Jackson and Lashawn McCoy for no good reason whatsoever, and I think Deshaun, I think Deshaun probably wonders that too. Um, you know, Deshaun never played in a Super Bowl. He got close in the NFC Championship game in two thousand eight, his rookie season, as as you heard him say. But that that's as close as he ever got. And I really do wonder if Chip Kelly would have been successful had he kept those two stars on his team instead of getting rid of them for no good reason whatsoever. It's a fascinating question. And, you know, we won a Super Bowl with Doug Peterson and a different roster. So it all worked out in the end for us. But for Deshaun, it's got to be it's got to be a little bitter to to know that they had a great team there. And uh, really, the coach self-sabotaged himself and um, now is just an, an afterthought in, in the football world. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. My thanks to Deshaun Jackson for coming on with us earlier this week. We've got the schedule stuff for you covered fully. If you haven't caught Jimmy and Brandon's schedule analysis on BGN Radio, I want to make sure to point you in that direction and listen to that. Some good insight there as well. Check out all of our coverage on bleedinggreennation.com, too. We're keeping you up to date on all of the latest news and rumors and insight into the upcoming 2022 season. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I'll talk to you next time here on Eye on the Enemy. C and